So last night and over the day today, Catherine and I have been talking about arriving. And I'm wondering whether you have arrived here or not. And listening to people in the group today, there are a number of uh, difficult experiences that arise that keep us from arriving. You know, we can't, we don't feel you know, fully here. We don't feel like we've really come here yet. You know, we, we feel tired, sleepy, uh, pain in the body. We have some emotion, emotional issues from the recent past before we came here that we bring with us. And those different experiences can um, keep us from feeling like, you know, like one person said, I've, I've arranged my life to come all this way to Guy House and all I'm doing is sleeping. You know, what a waste of time. Yeah. And yet, it isn't unusual. And I think for most of you, certainly who have done retreat before, and those of you who might be uh, on your first long retreat, it's not unusual at all to go through what's classically known and classically named in the text as uh, the hindrances. And now the hindrances is a translation for um, a word. Actually, I'm not sure what that Pali word is. What it, you know what the Pali word is for hindrances? Oh, I'm not sure what that is. But um, hindrances basically mean the difficult mind states that arise that keep us from being present that keep us from being connected with our experience. And, and the five, as, as some of you probably know, the five classical obstacles or difficult mind states are the wanting mind, you know, wanting some other experience to be happening. That's the first one. The second one is the not wanting mind. You don't want uh, what's happening to be happening. You know. And the third one is sleepiness. <laughs> so it's, it's classically uh, dis, uh, dis, uh, called sloth and torpor, you know, which just really says it, doesn't it? Sloth and torpor. You know. The fourth one is the opposite of that, which is uh, too much energy, restlessness. There's a lot of restlessness in the mind and body. The mind is going here and there, and the body wants to move, can't sit still, a lot of energy in the body. You know. And the, the fifth one is doubt, you know, doubting, doubting whether this is the right practice, whether you made the right decision, whether you're, you are capable of doing the practice, and doubting the teachers, and who, you know, why did I sign up to be with these teachers, and you know, I don't know about Gaia House, and you know, the doubt that can just play in the mind, particularly when we're not liking very well what our experience is. And these five mind states have been very well described and defined through all the, the classical texts uh, for the last few thousand years of what happens when a person sits down to quiet their mind, is that they're met with these particular mind states. So certainly it's not unusual, it's not unusual at all for this to, to occur. And it's also described that as the mind gets quieter, as we start to settle more, these hindrances, you know, these particular difficult mind states, start to drop away. They quiet down. And we are 
able to be more present. We are able to be more connected with our experience which allows for more possibility for investigation, inquiry into the nature of things, and the possibility for insight to arise. Insight, of course, leads to liberation, leads to freedom. So it's a very natural, very um, appropriate response, particularly when we come in and we've been pretty busy and uh, engaged in lots of different things and commitments and uh, responsibilities and parenting and caretaking and um, you know, the way that many of us are engaged in our life. And even if we don't have that kind of lifestyle, if our life is somewhat quiet, we may not be developing uh, uh, qualities of mind training while we're home. <laughs> um, so, so we come here and we're confronted with our, with our mind. We're confronted with our mind. And mind means past and future. Moving to our memories of the past and our ideas and our fantasies about the future. Mind moves in time. And that continuum of time can be small, depending if we're just thinking about yesterday and what's going to happen tomorrow. (laughs) But usually the mind doesn't move in a small increment like that especially when we have a lot of time, you know, the mind can really move all the way back to when we were children. We're children in our family system, or it can move way ahead into the future. All kinds of ideas and fantasies, and so we're left, in a way, with the burden of that information, of those memories, those fantasies, those plans, that can feel heavy. It can feel weighted down by our minds, by our thoughts, by our memories. And so through the practice, through the meditation, we're attempting to find some release, some relief from the weight of our mind, the weight of our mind, which is usually the past. Usually the past. But what's happened to us in the past, the past influences, the past conditions, things that have happened that that do cause often a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty, a lot of confusion. And we're we're, we're finding ways to sort through that, but also find freedom from it. Find some way to feel free in ourselves, feel feel more at ease, feel some calm, some tranquility within ourselves. Come to a place of peace. And so what we do, the, what, we're, what we're cultivating here in order to uh, begin this inquiry, this investigation, is awareness, is the aware mind, the awake mind. And perhaps on the first day of a retreat, it may seem per- oftentimes pretty inaccessible <laughs> to have any awareness at all or any sense of presence at all. And yet, as one person did say, too, that, you know, uh, even if it just that, that presence or that, that awareness just breaks through for an instant, there can be that reflection, that uh, uh, reflecting to us the possibility of what happens when the mind lets go and the joy that comes in that moment, just that instant, even if the mind closes up again, 
even if the contraction comes back again, we know what's possible. We know we've had an experience of what happens when the mind drops away. The, the, the mind, when I say the mind drops away, what I mean is the grip of the past and the grip of the impending future, which we get so caught by. And those thoughts, those memories bear down in our body. We feel the tension, the stress, the constriction, and the, the, the physical body and the emotional body. And this is what gives rise to that, the suffering that we, we feel in ourselves. So we want to become free of this. So our tool, the tool for us is awareness, or we also say mindfulness, the cultivation of mindful attention. So in our practice, we bring our attention back again and again and again as a way of kind of like working that muscle, you know, working the muscle in the mind that, you know, is somewhat hardened in its pattern to not be present, to be engaged in our worries and our regrets and our fears and our concerns. So we're, we're working that muscle, we say, come back, feel the breath, feel the body, be aware of what's happening now. Know, know what's happening in this moment. We're cultivating a different kind of knowing. A knowing that is not just with our intellect, not just with our thinking mind. Because culturally, and particularly in the West, there's so much emphasis on the development of the intellect on the development of knowing and gathering and learning knowledge through the thought, through the thinking mind. And this is so highly valued in our culture that to a certain extent what happens is that there's not a lot of value then put on the emotional life, for example, uh, feeling your emotions. You know, it's more of a, a feminine thing that is often equated with weakness isn't it, in, in a lot of the culture. You know, so, so, and there's not a lot of value put on actually being aware and being in touch with the senses of the, the sights and the sounds and the taste and the, the touch, the feeling that happens that moves through the body. So much emphasis and encouragement is put on in, in, uh, in developing our intellect. And so for the most part, we think that's how we know. That's how we know ourselves. That's how we know our world. It's how we get to know things, is by the the collecting of that information and thinking about it and hashing it through and figuring it out and analyzing it and really using our our intellect to, um, to get ahead, to go forward. And certainly, we have, you know, in the 21st century, um, on one level, <laughs> we may say that there has been a great advancement in, in science and technology. But when we really look, and it doesn't take much, does it, to look at the state of our world, our global community, the way that we are living together, how we're living on this earth, 
we, it does imply that perhaps there's something else to look at. <coughs> there's something else that has to be developed. And we might say that that development may be something that needs to be developed through the heart. Through the heart. That which is not the intellect. That which is not the thinking mind. That which is more in touch, more connected, more uh, uh, has a sense of knowing true nature. Who I really am in relationship to all of the other people, other things of this world. So I don't have so much the sense of being so separated or so separate, so isolated, so individualistic which does lead to so many of our problems and conflicts in this world. So as we develop this knowing, this knowing faculty, it's a knowing that happens without the thinking mind. A way of knowing ourselves, way of knowing experience, but without necessarily having to think about it. That knowing may be informed by our thought, but our thought is not the primary function of knowing. So the knowing happens through awareness, through giving attention to things, giving attention to our thoughts, giving attention to our feelings, giving attention to our body, giving attention to our food, to the sounds that we hear, to the things that we see, to the people that we're in relationship with, to give present attention, give conscious attention, to be awake, and to know our experience, we would say, in a, in a bare way. Sometimes we even say that this kind of knowing with awareness, with mindful attention, is a, a, bare, a bare attention. Oftentimes, that's the word that the words that are used when we talk about mindfulness is bare attention. Bare attention means giving attention to something before the concept arises, before the meaning arises, before all the associations arise about that thing, and the associations are what we have stored in our memory bank from all the experiences and contacts and influences that we've had over time, all the things that we've learned that we can bring to the experience that help inform us and give us more information. However, again, we're so highly developed that, that our whole kind of association comes in, the meaning that we bring to the experience before we're actually in touch with the experience. For example, when I'm going to take a, a cup of tea, even having a cup of tea is just loaded with all kinds of associations. You know, it means, oh, I get to rest, I get to settle, I don't have to really think about things. You know, it's comforting, it's warm, it's, uh, it tastes nice, generally. You know, so we have this all association. But what is it really like to taste a cup of tea, to have a sip of a cup of tea? What is that experience before we bring all that meaning to it? Just the simplicity of putting the tea, the cup, to our lips, taking that taste, and just tasting, just tasting, 
just experiencing the feeling, what it's like, before we're actually bringing all the meaning to it. We say that's the bare experience. And that's really what we're encouraging here, what we're developing here. Today, when Catherine was giving the walking uh, meditation instruction, we're talking about we were walking all the time in our life, walking from A to B, B to C, C to D. But what's the experience of walking? What happens in our bodies when we're walking? What are we doing? What are we thinking? What are we seeing? What are we hearing? What are we feeling? What's happening in our legs? What's happening in our body? What's the experience of walking? Because usually when we're walking, we're thinking about everything else that's gone on, particularly in our daily lives. We're thinking about where we need to go and what needs to happen and, or where we've just been. <laughs> What's just occurred, and what about the experience of walking? We're not very present. So we're bringing, we're, we're really examining and looking at what it means to have, to have a bare experience, to bring bare attention to what we're doing. And that means that awareness, that knowing, the knowing, sometimes knows a thought. So there's the awareness itself that knows the thought. It's not necessarily me that knows the thought. I think that it's me. But actually we have this incredible uh, faculty to be conscious, to be aware. Awareness itself. And awareness has the capacity, it has the function to know, to know our experience. And so sometimes that awareness knows that I'm thinking. It knows thought. And so really it has to be somewhat different than thought if it knows thought. Because thinking can't really know itself because we'd just be caught up in the thinking. So we step back with just a sense of falling back just a bit and there's the awareness, there's the mindfulness of our thinking. Say, oh yeah, I'm thinking. Oh yeah, I'm judging. Oh, I'm giving myself a hard time. I'm not being very kind. Oh, I'm thinking about the past. I'm thinking about the future. There's the knowing of that. So we come into this simplicity of knowing our experience. Developing, cultivating this knowing that is not the knowing of the intellect. It's not the knowing of the thinking mind. The quote from Ram Dass, a wonderful American uh, meditation teacher that I'm sure you all know and love. Ram Dass said, We must go beyond the intellect into the silence of our intuitive heart, where separation disappears and knowledge give, gives way to wisdom. I think that's so beautiful. So. So we go beyond the intellect into the silence of our intuitive heart. So in that place, in that letting go of the, 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 the noise, <coughs> we say the confusion of our thought, <coughs> it brings us into a place of silence. Now it not, might not be the kind of silence where it means there's no noise or there's no, even no thought. But as soon as we start to touch into awareness itself that knows the thought, there's already a stillness 
already a silence that we begin to feel in our being. A stillness that's not moving in relationship to the thought, to the objects of our awareness. He says where separation disappears, we're really right there. We don't feel so isolated. We don't feel so separate. We're just right there with the uh, watching the squirrel gathering the nuts or or looking at the the color of the exquisite flower, the amazing different color cosmos that are around the the garden, the purples and the pinks and the white, the white that just jumps out. Just that. There's kind of a silence. It's right there. There's no separation. So much in that in that experience. And he says the knowledge gives way to wisdom. So the way we usually associate the word knowledge with the intellect, with all the information that we've gathered, but it gives way to wisdom. It gives way to insight, where we we get to know ourselves more completely, where we we don't feel so solid. We don't feel so separated from, from the things of this world. This is wisdom. This is insight. We begin to know our true nature. We begin to know the ground of our being, who we really are, which is this consciousness, awareness, this knowing in its totality. So mindfulness, very important factor that we explore on these retreats. In Pali, the word is sati, sati, S-A-T-I. And mindfulness, when we talk about mindfulness, it actually has the function to collect the mind. It's, it's really beautiful when you think about what mindfulness means. It, it, it pull, it, mindfulness brings the attention back. It, it, it collects the, the mind. It's like, you know, like um, gathering the cows in the field, you know, when the, or the sheep, when the sheepdogs run out and, and get the sheep to all come kind of clustered together, you know. It's like mindfulness is like that. It, it gathers together. Um, it means like recall, to recall or to uh, recollect, gathering together. So it really keeps the mind from wandering. Mindfulness keeps the mind from wandering. So when we're mindful, it means we've, we've returned back. We've come home. We're here. That's what we mean by mindfulness. When we're mindful, the mind is collected. And when the mind is collected, it knows what's happening. It knows what's happening. It's simply that. It's not like what's happening has to be anything in particular. That's why we're really not very interested in the kinds of experiences that you're having. What matters is that you know that you're having an experience, (laughs) that you're actually here for your experience, that you're awake for your experience. That's what matters. Experience will happen. The experience will take all different kinds of shapes and colors and intensities and vibrations and all different, you know, all the way from rapture to, you know, to to extreme pain, you know, all different kinds of experiences. But can we be there for it? Do we know what's going on? 
And if we don't know what's going on, what's happening? This is a very interesting question. It has been for me. If I don't know what's going on, meaning if I'm not being mindful, what's happening? (laughs) Where am I? And it's a really difficult question to answer because I'm not sure we can know from experience. Because we have to be there (laughs) to actually know it and investigate it. But we're not there. So where are we? (laughs) What happened? You know, it, 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 it is a very mysterious thing. Where do we go? We just, it's, it's as if we're not here anymore. Which actually is a little scary. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think about that in terms of when I'm out in traffic driving a car. Because I have a feeling that not everybody in their car is being very mindful. And if they're not mindful, where are they? They're not driving their car. (laughs) And who's driving the car? And how come everybody's able to stay in their lane and everybody's not crashing into everybody else on the road? You know, because I know not everybody's being mindful. So I get a little scared sometimes when I really think about it. It makes me wonder how this world can even function at all. Because we're not very mindful, often. I mean, look at your day today. <laughs> really look at your day today. How many times did you notice that you're just getting carried off here and there? To all kinds of fantasies and stories. And then you go, oh yeah, kind of there's moments that you wake up. Oh yeah, I was really off. Yeah, I was really gone. Breathing, recollecting, coming back into the body, feeling a sense of presence, being there for like a nanosecond. <laughs> and then off again. Where do we go? You know, obviously our bodies don't um, you know, disintegrate or you know, disappear for those moments, but it's as if it does happen that way. Because there's no real connection with our body, with our feelings, with our senses, our sight, sound, taste, touch, smell, we are gone. So we're trying to bring about more consciousness in our life, in the way that we live our life, consciousness to the way that we're thinking, what we're thinking about what we're feeling, how the feelings relate to the thoughts, how our thoughts stimulate feeling and emotions, what's happening in our body with, with different discomforts and tensions and pains and, and how they're associated with the ways that we're thinking about things and the way we're living our life and the choices that we're making in our life. And how we can start to, to have more understanding about this and the impact of our actions on other people and other situations and, and how we cause stress for ourselves and stress for other people who are around us. How we create suffering in our lives and how the suffering is created on our planet. Because perhaps there's the possibility of really coming to a place of more ease and more joy and more happiness Less confusion, more connection 
more joy in our lives. And certainly if I am feeling more of that, then the people who are, are around me are going to be feeling more of that too. It's going to be making a difference, not only for myself, but for all those I come into contact with. And then the ripples just go out and out and out. It makes a profound difference how I am thinking, how I am feeling, how I am responding to my own experience. The effects of that are more than the mind can even understand or imagine. So when we're mindful, the mind is collected and it knows its object, it knows what's going on. We say when the mind knows, when the mindfulness, the awareness knows its object, the object is really one of six objects. Only one of six objects. There's the five senses and there's the object of the mind, which is thought. So there's sight, sound, taste, touches, um, smell, and thought. Happening moment after moment after moment after moment. And our job, our task, is to be in touch with that, whatever's happening. A sight, a sound, a, a smell, a taste, a feel, a thought. And whenever we are in contact with one of the objects of awareness, of the senses, of the mind, that object comes into more clarity. It, come, it becomes more vivid. It, when we give energy to anything, that thing becomes more, more energetic, more alive in our consciousness. So the more that I am mindful, the more I'm present, the more of the things in my life become alive. I become engaged with life, with the things of this life. We could just do a very short exercise just to, uh, just to uh, just show this particular piece. So let's just take a moment. And I mean, the whole time that you're sitting here, you've been breathing. Clearly you've been breathing, <laughs> but you haven't been mindful of your breath because that's not where you've been turning your attention. You've been turning your attention towards listening to the words I've been saying or wherever else your mind's been going, who knows where that is, but your attention has probably not been with your breath. So just for a moment, just turn your attention to your breath. Give some energy to that awareness. Just notice what happens as your awareness comes into contact with your breath. You, be you, you begin to know it. It becomes more vivid. There's more energy there. Now turn your attention to 
the hearing. With your attention really with the sound, with that bare hearing, it becomes very vivid, very alive. You didn't miss it. (laughs) I I doubt that it eluded your awareness. Now, just for a moment, if you can, if you can do this, just think for a moment of someone who is a loved one or a dear friend. Bring somebody to mind if you're if you can do that. Just for a second. Just bring that image of that person or feeling sense of that person. What happens? What happens as you give energy to that image? Does anybody want to say? What happens if you pull that image out? Anybody want to respond? No. Hmm? Ah, so with the image came a feeling of love, of warmth, an association with that. Yeah. Anything else? Pardon? Oh, so right. So it brought you into contact with your breath as well, more of a body experience. Yeah. So that became more alive for you as well. Do you have a sense of being present? Making making that connection, that contact? that you were there. Hmm? Not present here? But where where did that take place? Or where was your mind? (laughs) But wasn't that happening here? I think you were here. You brought the you brought the image of the person to mind. That was happening here. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting question to reflect on that. So so when when I say that I'm present, it means I'm here. I'm here for the experience. I may not have a sense of being here like in my body, sitting on the chair, you know, I might be really engaged, but that's that sense of being really um, engaged in the experience, where in a way you lose yourself in the experience, but there's a sense of being very present. So we say that's here. I'm here. I'm not lost. I'm really with that experience. So we'll reflect on this. We'll continue to reflect on that. It's a very important question 
to have a real experience of being present there when you do that. So this is, this, is, this is very important to get the sense of how things come alive as we bring our attention to them, our energy to them. And what happens when we're not attending? What happens when we're not present? So we have a sense of this movement of being here and not being here. Being here and not being here. One of my teachers, Joseph Goldstein, said that this practice we're doing is actually very, very simple. He said it's a binary system. We're either on or off. We're either on or off, you know? Either, either the, 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 the um, knob is turned on or it's turned off. And so what we're, we're attempting to engage in is to be on <laughs> more of the time and to really understand what it means to be on. Because I think, I mean, it took me a long time, even though I practiced for a number of years, it took me a long time before I really could say, yes, I understand. I understand what it means to be here. I understand what it means to be present. So that in itself is a whole uh, exploration. It's a whole engagement that we participate in, so we can really come in to understanding what that means. So in the, the teachings that we are engaged in, we're following one particular teaching of the Buddha. Um, this is a discourse, this is a teaching that the Buddha gave, which is called the Satipatthana Sutta. And sati, sati is mindfulness, patana means foundation. And so we're, we're practicing the foundations of mindfulness, in this case the four foundations of mindfulness. The whole of what we do on retreat is engaged in this particular teaching of the Buddha, <coughs> the Satipatthana Sutta, which is the four foundations of mindfulness. The first foundation of mindfulness is being mindful of the body, which is where we've been turning today. Uh, the breath being one of the main uh, aspects of body awareness, being aware of the breath in the body. The second foundation of mindfulness, where we turn our attention, that which we get to know and understand, is the foundation of feeling. And this isn't, when we talk about feeling, it's not emotion like we think about in the West, in the Western psychological culture, but we talk about feeling. Feeling means the feeling tone of an experience. So feeling tone means the pleasant quality of an experience, the unpleasant quality of an experience, or that which is neither pleasant or unpleasant. We call it neutral that every experience has a tone to it. Some experiences are very pleasurable, some experiences are very unpleasant, some are kind of in between. And so we begin to examine, there's a huge, whole big teaching on this whole area of the foundation of feeling and understanding feelings, which we'll be talking more about. The third foundation is the, uh, the mindfulness of mind. 
mindfulness of mind, understanding the uh, activity of our mind. And the fourth foundation, which is a little bit more complicated, it's uh, one that doesn't always have an easy translation, but the trend, a translation I like is the, it's called mindfulness of mental qualities. And that means that really being aware of the content of your mind and the way that your mind is inclining, whether your mind is inclining towards that which is going to bring you closer to liberation or if your mind is inclining towards that which is taking you further away and more into suffering. So it's a whole, each of these, each of these foundations are a whole teaching in themselves and a whole talk, as you can imagine, in themselves. I just want to say just a little bit more about each one so you have some sense of, of the practice that we're doing here. The Buddha talks about knowing each one separate from the other. So he talks about mindfulness in order to know the body as the body. Mindfulness in order to know feelings as feelings. Mindfulness in order to know the mind as mind. Mindfulness in order to know the mental qualities as mental qualities. So he really is encouraging real investigation and inquiry into each aspect of these foundations. We've really been emphasizing today this attention to the body, to really begin to know the body, because this is really where we can know our experience. When we are caught up in our thoughts and our thinking and really identified and distracted, we are cut off from our body. Have you noticed that? (laughs) And it may not necessarily be something that you've just noticed today. <laughs> it might be something that you've been aware of for some time. The way that we, you may not be really feeling. You may not be so connected to the rest of your experience. You may find that you're very caught up in your thoughts, very caught up in your mind, in your head, almost like, um, like, dis- disin- like we're disembodied beings, you know, he- just having heads. No body. So we really are encouraging this attention to let life come in to the whole body experience. Being mindful of the body allows us to establish harmony in our being. It allows us to return to a sense of wholeness and unification. Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Zen master said that being mindful of the body is like a child who returns home after a long journey. That you can feel the warmth of coming home when you come back into being mindful of your whole body experience. So we sit and we feel the groundedness of our body. We sit and we breathe and settle into our body. And by doing that, it allows for us to then open out to the rest of experience by being here. We, 
we let ourselves feel a sense of solidness. It's like, yes, we're here. You know, that sense of arriving that we've been talking about. We've, and, and, and Catherine's been bouncing around today, hasn't she? So kind of like shaking and kind of, you know, encouraging you to shake down and settle in and all this. I haven't been here for all of it, but just this morning, it's kind of a, a shake down, you know, and to, to feel into the body. You know, because of that potential for wholeness and, and unity that it can occur. Trungpa Rinpoche, another Tibetan master, uh, said, without feeling your body, you could be constantly tiptoeing on the surface of the universe, not actually getting a foothold anywhere. You could become an eternal hitchhiker. So some of you relate to that? Not really getting a foothold anywhere. So the Buddha's teaching begins with contemplation of the body with the breath. It's not just an idea that somebody thought up in the not too far past. It's an ancient teaching of bringing the attention, observing bare observation of the breath, the natural flow with firm and steady awareness so that we can begin to bring a certain tranquility and harmonization and calming of the body-mind experience through the breath. And then it's the breath that allows us then to begin to open out. We bring the breath, we breathe through all the other experiences. As somebody said when we did the little exercise, thinking of the image brought her closer to her breath. So we're going to be continuing working in that way, but yet not narrowing our experience, not narrowing our awareness through the breath, but using the breath as a way to open out so that we can be more inclusive of all our experience as we move through the day, as we move through our life. I'm just wondering if I want to say a lot about the other three foundations. I think I might just say a little bit so that, because um, I'm just aware of how much there is to say and what a huge talk this is. I'm just going to say just a little bit about each of the other ones. Feelings, the foundation of feelings, the reason it's so important is because if we're not aware of our feelings, the feelings of the pleasant, the feelings of the unpleasant, the feelings of the neutral feelings, we get caught in the reactivity. We grasp on to the pleasant feelings. We push away the unpleasant feelings. We go to sleep in the neutral feelings. And so it's so important for us to be mindful of the feeling tone so that we can be aware of our reactions. We can be aware of how we get it how we grasp on, how we push away, how we get involved in resistance. Just by noticing what it is that we're reacting to. So a very important aspect is the mindfulness of the feeling. Mindfulness of the mind, the third foundation, means that we're aware of the mental activity with 
with mind, we're also aware of the emotional activity because there's not so much difference. The emotions in the mind are very intertwined. We're aware of our moods. All of this becomes part of our mindfulness because we're generating our reality through the mind, through the way that we're thinking about things. So we need to understand the mental activity so that we can understand reality. So that we can understand how we're shaping our reality and the possibility that we may begin to relate to that mental activity in a very different way. In a way that may lead us closer to the true reality. The reality that I was pointing to before when I was talking about the bare awareness their attention that takes us closer to experience as it is without the distortions of our mind. And the last foundation, the foundation of the mental qualities, really paying attention so that our reflections, the reflections of our mind, incline more towards the true vision of the Dharma. They incline more toward that which is true so that all of our experiences, every single experience, comes into relationship with the Dharma, with the Dharma as a whole. And as we do this, then the mental states of greed or those states, the difficult states I was talking about at the beginning of of wanting, of grasping, that shifts it, it transforms into the mind state of renunciation or letting go. The difficult mind state of aversion or not wanting, the the mind state of resistance, transforms into compassion, to openness, to allowing, to receiving. We're not pushing away, we're not trying to blind our hide away anymore, but we can open and feel compassion for this predicament of things. The difficult mind state of sleepiness, sloth and torpor, transforms, opens into wakefulness. The difficult mind state of restlessness and, and agitation, anxiety, transforms into stillness, into peace. And that difficult mind state of doubt, the confusion that arises out of doubt, when it settles and quiets and opens in alignment with the true vision of the Dharma, transforms into faith and trust. So perhaps you can get some sense this evening of the practice that we're doing here. We really are encouraging this letting go of knowing in the way that we are so familiar with knowing, knowing through the intellect, and coming into a perhaps a new way of knowing, a knowing that will awaken something in us that is fresh, that is unfamiliar. Perhaps you have heard of Krishnamurti's uh, 
There's a great teacher, Krishnamurti's book titled Freedom from the Known. That's really what we're what's being pointed to here is the freedom from that which is known. What does it mean? What does it mean to be free from the known? We're not we're not gripped by the familiar and the known, but we touch something that is unknown. We haven't known before. Something that is new. Something that is fresh. Something that is immediate. What happens when we touch that? The great poet and teacher, Rio Khan, from ancient times, he said, the bamboo grove in front of my hut, every day I see it a thousand times, yet never tire of it. There's something there. The bamboo grove in front of my hut, every day I see it a thousand times, but I never tire of it. So does he really see the same bamboo grove a thousand times? Or is he seeing something that he's never seen before? So we want to awaken this curiosity in you. To become curious for this unfamiliar, unknown means you may have to let go of everything that you've known to see what really can be discovered here in a fresh way, in a new way. This is our invitation to you here. Let's just sit quietly for a minute. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.